So tonight's reading is from Galatians 1, it's verses 1 to 10, and it, should be, it can be found on the lavender sheets that you got as you walked in. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory for ever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Thanks, Tara, very much. Let's let's pray and ask God to help us as we uh, seek to understand that and to apply that to our lives. For we pray that you would... Uh, Now, by your Spirit, help us as we seek to understand this passage. And as um, over the coming weeks we go through the whole of Galatians, pray, Lord, that you would be our teacher. And we pray that we may understand this rightly. For Jesus' sake. Amen. It's August. Uh, It's results day. And so you go down to school and you get the envelope and you've been predicted three A's. In fact, that's the offer uh, at UEA, uh, where you want to go and join Tara, um, for some reason, which is all very good. And uh, you're a bit nervous, you open an envelope, and uh, uh, your dreams have come true. The future's sorted, and you know what the next three years have got in plan, and in store for you. Uh, and you have a great time with your friends, as they, uh, they also have done well in their exams, and so on. Then the next morning, you get a call from the head of sixth form. And uh, they ask if you can come in uh, back to school. And uh, they won't say what it's about. And you think, well, maybe I've won a prize. Uh, that's uh, tremendous. And when, then when you arrive, she tells you, that unfortunately, there's been a terrible mistake. And that instead of getting three A's, actually you've got BCC. And there's been a mix-up with another candidate who today is rejoicing although they had tears yesterday. So um, you've got no offers. Uh, and then you're thinking, well, is it resets? Or do I get a job? Or what do I do? And your world simply just begins to crumble and to fall, in, to fall apart. Well, we're not thinking this evening about exam results, but actually something hugely more important, even than our exam results, your eternity your heaven or your hell, your eternity. And just as that news about exam results there and that little story changed everything, actually when you change the gospel news, the good news, then actually everything will fall apart there as well. And I want to say very clearly and simply this evening, as we look at Galatians chapter 1, there is only one gospel There is only one gospel. 
Now we're starting, as Stephen said, this series in Galatians. It's uh, Paul's first letter, most likely. It was written probably about 49 AD, thereabouts. And uh, there are some people are trying to change the gospel. It's written to an, an area uh, called Galatia. There's no town called Glacier, but uh, there's an area, a bit like Sussex, really. And, uh, uh, and there are some people there. You, you see that in the verse 2, to the churches in Galatia. And there are some people there in this area that are trying to change the gospel. And Paul is absolutely clear in his own mind and heart. And actually, you can't do that. Not that you may not try, but the gospel is unchangeable. It is a given. And if you do change it, you're moving away from the gospel And you kill people for eternity. You change the gospel and you're sending people to hell. That is why Paul is so shirty here. You may have thought when Tara's reading this, this is actually in the Bible. You know, this is the only letter when Paul starts off and he he just dives straight in. Look at verse 6. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And they're saying to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. That's why he's, uh, and he's so firm about it and so clear about it. And he says it twice, just in case you didn't get it. So he says there in verse uh, 7, you know, if someone changes that, preaches something different, they're under God's curse. And in case you didn't hear me, I'm going to say it again. And that's what we've called verse 9. And this is not personal, because he says here, if anyone, verse 9, preaches a different gospel. So it's not just that, uh, you know, someone over there, you've got it in, in for you because you're... No, he's just saying, if anyone does this, if anyone preaches a different gospel, if anyone changes the gospel, he says, they're a heretic. He says they're cursed by God. There is only one gospel. Now, you know as well as I do, at least I hope you do, that uh, uh, there is only one proper way of drinking Coke, okay? And that's the, the only Coke, right? It's got to be out of a glass bottle, not a can. It's got to be out of a glass bottle, and it's got to be ice cold. That is the only Coke that there is, okay? Only cola. That is the real thing. It really is, isn't it? Okay? Now, there are four things to say about this gospel. You can't change it, all right? There are four things to say. First of all, it is the fundamental gospel, it's on the lilac sheets there. Second, it's the apostolic gospel. Third, it's the rescue gospel. It's what it's about. It's a rescue. And number four, and very briefly at the end, the one gospel. So let's get straight in there as we think this evening about the one gospel, only one gospel. And uh, we're thinking particularly first about the fundamental gospel. In other words, what we're saying, first of all, is this is unbelievably important. So uh, if you happen to be on Facebook at the moment or just checking your emails or whatever, please don't do that. Um, What he's saying is there were people in Galatia who were saying Jesus is fine, but you've got to keep the old Jewish stuff as well. You've all become Christians from the Jewish background, so you become a Christian, but you've still got to make sure that if you have a baby, if he's a boy, you've got to circumcise him. And then actually you've got to be actually taking seriously all this Old Testament, all those laws and stuff in the Old Testament, and all the stuff about what they're eating then. You've got to carry on doing that as well. And you've got to make sure you do that properly, otherwise you won't be fully and properly accepted by God. Now, that's the kind of thing. We're not told exactly what they were saying. We're not absolutely absolutely clear about what they were saying but it was very very close to that you see because what we've got here is a bit like um, listening into someone else's phone conversation so you can get a fairly good idea about what's going on just by listening to one end of it can't you and that's what we've got here and uh, and we're pretty clear that there was some kind of back to Moses campaign 
going on. So you're saying the gospel is okay, Jesus is fine, but you must make sure that you have your kids circumcised or that you get circumcised if you haven't been circumcised already. And you must be clear that you're following these laws that are in the Old Testament and so on. That's a lie. That's wrong. Actually, that's a heresy. Okay? Because what it's doing, it's taking the gospel and actually, you know, it's reversing it. It's taking something that's free and saying, earn it. That's a reversal, isn't it? And that's wrong. It's taking the way you get saved and go to heaven in terms of, you know, we trust that Jesus died for us. And then it's saying, yeah, that's great, but you've got to do this other stuff as well. And when you do this other stuff well, you're saying, earn it. Earn your way to heaven. And that is hideous. And that is an appalling lie. You see, when you add to gospel other stuff as well, you're saying, believe in Jesus, but be good and be a loving person. It's the same kind of principle, isn't it? Then actually, you're taking something that's free and saying you've got to pay for it. If you would say, well, believe in Jesus, that's good, but you've also got to come to church every week, and you've also got to, um, you know, you've got to make sure that you're giving properly to the church hall appeal, and, oh, I hope you're helping at the night shelter, and so on, then... um, I just want to say that helping at a night shelter never helped anyone, never helped you get to heaven. It's a good thing to do, but we don't get to heaven by helping at a night shelter. I hope we're all going to be involved, but it won't earn you places in heaven. We want to be involved, and we want to do it because we love people, and we're already on our way there if we're Christian people. So the gospel is all you need. It's all you ever need to get you to heaven. You get that wrong, you get everything wrong. Jesus died for you. He died for you. He's now raised from the dead. He's alive. And the gospel is accept this free gift of life. You can't earn it. Don't even try. Just accept it. Look at verse 7, would you? Just at the end of verse 7, well, let's read the whole verse, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. That word pervert is literally to reverse or to turn upside down or to turn inside out. But it means to reverse. So saying you're taking something that's free and saying you've got to earn it, you've got to pay for it. That is reversing the gospel. That is not good news. Because we will never be good enough to earn it. We'll never be good enough to earn it by our good life. We'll never be good enough to earn it by being nice. We're never going to be good enough to earn it by, by working hard, or coming to church enough, or, or uh, getting baptized, or coming to KO, or whatever it is. I mean, how would you ever know that you've done enough? You can never be sure. So you end up, well, you don't end up, you are trapped in a slavery where you're striving to be the best you can be and you can never be sure you've done enough. Well, I've got the most wonderful news. Because we've never done enough. And we can't ever do enough to earn heaven. And we don't have to. Come as you are. Come as you are. Helpless, hopeless. And accept God's free gift of heaven. There is only one gospel. Only one gospel. A free gift of eternal life 
for all who trust in Jesus. Change that. And it's not the gospel. You see, the gospel is not negotiable. In years past, you could actually end up, you could negotiate with the IRA. Produce a Good Friday Agreement. There is some negotiation with the Syrian rebels at the moment. You can negotiate on Brexit, but you can never negotiate on the gospel. It's a given, and it cannot, does not, will not, must not change. We're not moving. We're planted firmly on the gospel of the free gift from God of this wonderful good news. Now, the second thing is, it isn't the apostolic gospel. There's only one gospel, and it is the apostolic gospel. Now, the first three words in verse 1, Paul and apostle. Now, if you go through the, the, uh, the other of Paul's letters, he doesn't always start like that, but he often does. The next book, he does. Uh, in Ephesians, as in Colossians as well, and uh, there are several others as well. Paul and apostle. Now, why does he start like that? Why does he start like that? And then you look at verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Who are they deserting? I think he's saying you're deserting me. The apostolic gospel is the gospel given to the apostles, preached by the apostles. And who are the apostles? Well, they were a group of men sent by Jesus. Look at verse 1 there. That's what he's saying. They're sent not from men, not by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. So they're sent from Jesus, witnesses to the resurrection. Verse 2, recognized by the church, and they first preached the gospel. Now, there are no more apostles in that sense of the word. They were a unique breed of guys in the very early church. And, uh, uh, and because of that, um, they knew some things that we, you know, we didn't, wouldn't know without them. So look at verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knew where grace and peace came from. And he's told the world. And then he goes on and he also says, look at verse 5, for instance. To whom be glory forever and ever. Paul knows where glory should go. Now that's a really good test of whether, say you're in another church, you're off at uni, or you're going off, uh, you go off to uni soon, uh, next couple of years or whatever, or you move away from here and, and uh, go to another church in the new place you live and so on. It's a good idea if you can check the preaching and just ask this question, who does the glory go to? That's a good question to ask. That's one of the plumb lines. There's another one I'll mention in a minute. But that's one of the plumb lines. Who does the glory go to? Because if you're preaching the gospel, if I'm preaching the gospel, then the end result is actually glory to God, glory to Jesus, and not to us. But if you're preaching a gospel of doing some kind of works, or being good enough, or being nice enough, or whatever, who gets the glory? Well, the idea is the most holy people do. The most good working people do, and so on. Ask yourself who gets the glory. If the glory is genuinely going to God, then you will have a genuine gospel being preached. Ask that question. It's a very important question to ask. 
Now, uh, our gospel is a rescue. We'll come to that in the next point. And who gets the credit from this rescue? The rescuer. And if someone is uh, preaching a different gospel, it's not the gospel at all. Ask who's getting the glory. Ask who's getting the credit. Because if we're shining the light away from the Lord and onto ourselves, that is a reversal of the gospel. And that is wrong. That is stealing the credit, stealing the glory, and taking it for ourselves. That's a heresy. The gospel, the glory, the credit goes to God alone in verse 5 there. So uh, uh, that reverses it. And we don't want to be involved in that. So how do we know our gospel is the true gospel? Well, because of this plumb line, not just where the glory goes, but is it what the apostles taught? Is it what the apostles taught? The gospel is given, it's not made up by the apostles. They were just simply passing it on. So verses 8 and 9 here, it says, if anyone turns up and preaches a new message, ask, is this apostolic? Does this come from the apostles? Is this what the apostles taught in the New Testament? Does that line up with their teaching? Or is it just going off at a tangent, going off to one side? If it is, then it's not the gospel, is it? It won't do you any good. Actually, it'll only kill you. So first of all, the fundamental gospel. It's incredibly important. This is the most fundamental, important news in the world. Don't get this wrong. Second, it's the apostolic gospel they've been given the word they've passed it on and we need to say we go back to the apostles therefore we go back to the bible because they they were the guys who were commissioned to write the new testament we go back to their teaching and they've set us a biblical plumb line against which to judge any teaching that we have third it's the rescue gospel the rescue gospel um i guess you've um Heard of the the, uh, the film The Perfect Storm, and uh, it is a, a it's based on a, um, a true story. In 1991, there were three storms that kind of coalesced off the eastern seaboard of the United States, and uh, <clears throat> to form what the uh, weather forecasters called the Perfect Storm. And there's a, there's a subplot in the film. That's the little fishing boat called the Andrew Gale, which in the end. Well, I won't tell you what happens, but it's fairly obvious in the picture, isn't it, what's going to happen. And uh, um, there's a subplot where there's a a Coast Guard helicopter rescues uh, the sailors from a yacht, and then it can't refuel, it ditches in the sea, and uh, then five of the six crewmen are picked up. Um, Actually, it's not quite true what happened, uh, because in the film they're picked up by the Coast Guard boat. Actually, what happened was they, uh, they were picked up after five hours adrift in the North Atlantic, in the storm they were picked up by a passing freighter but one of them didn't make it that is true so they'd rescued the guys from this yacht then they ditched and one of those guys in the coast guard helicopter didn't make it his name was air national guard pararescue jumper millard jones and he gave his life for those in that yacht It's a rescue. And it's a rescue that costs the life of our Saviour. There's only one gospel. And it's the rescue gospel. It's the rescue gospel. You see, if someone's someone's drowning, you don't uh, throw them a manual on how to swim, do you? You would throw them 
uh, a rope. Or you'd send them a cable down from a helicopter. Or if, you were, yeah, if it was safe to do so, you'd get in there and help them, wouldn't you? And that's what Jesus has done as our rescuer. He's come and he's immersed himself in this dark world to rescue us from this present evil age. And what's your greatest need? Is your greatest need to get on with your mum and dad? Is your greatest need to get the grades you need? Is your, is your greatest need for, to get better from your illness or your suffering? Is your greatest need to get out of debt or to get on better at school or to break the porn habit or to be offered a job in the interview on Tuesday? None of those, actually. They could be big and significant needs, but our greatest need is to be rescued. So we're in a desperate situation and helpless. We need rescuing, and that's the gospel. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Look at verse 4, the beginning of verse 4 there. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. And when it says for, that's better translated on behalf of, or in place of. So you look at verse 4 again. Gave himself on behalf of us, or in place of our sins, to rescue us from this present evil age age he took our place he died for our sins that is the gospel one afternoon in switzerland it was uh, uh, late autumn and a guy sets out with his dog the saint bernard to walk over the coal over the pass over to the next valley and uh, there's plenty of time before it got dark and uh, the weather looked good and it should have been no problem but as he began to climb it just began uh, the clouds began begin to, to come in, and uh, as he was, and it started to snow, and as he got just up at the top of the coal, it got so serious, it, get, it got to be what Mansoneers call a whiteout, where uh, you can't see the ground, you can't see around you, you can't hardly see your hands in front of your face because of the snow. And it was too late to turn back, so he went on, but he got colder and colder, and he got off the path, you know where he was, and he got weaker and weaker, until eventually he just fell into the snow drifting around him, exhausted. Now, in those situations, St. Bernard's, a properly trained St. Bernard, is apparently trained to, to lie on top of their master to keep them warm. That's what he did. But in his delirium, the guy who was walking over the pass to the next valley thought that this was uh, one of these um, alpine wolves coming to eat his corpse once he had died. And so... With his last ounces of strength, he, uh, he had a knife and he pulled it out and three or four times he plunged it into the dog's chest and he killed it. And there was blood all over the place. But the dog died lying on top of his master. And then when they found him the next morning, they found him lying there, still alive, with his dead St. Bernard on top of him and his body completely covered in the dog's blood. Kept from dying by the warmth of the dog's body. The dog died instead of his master. That substitution in a little way. And it's all according to God's will and plan that Jesus should die for us, that his blood should keep us from dying eternally. 
You see, the gospel is not, never has been, never will be something you do. It's a rescue by God, through Jesus, for all eternity, for his glory. And if you're not a Christian, you need rescuing. And you need rescuing tonight, right now. There's nothing you can do. Without a rescue, you will die. Like those sailors in that yacht in the perfect storm. Without a rescue, you will die. For us, without a rescue, we die spiritually. And we die for eternity. In hell. The gospel's a rescue to the glory of God. There's one gospel. You can't change it. It's fundamental. It's apostolic. It's a rescue gospel. And then very, very briefly, in just a minute... Just to say, it is the one gospel. There's only one gospel. I used to be involved in youth work, and I was once asked to speak at a big conference on the title, What is the Gospel for Children and Young People? What a stupid title. What an absolutely stupid title. And uh, uh, it's a nonsense. So I, I just began the seminar thing I was talking at, and I said, there is no gospel for children and young people. Because it's exactly the same as it is for old people and babies and people in middle age and all the rest of it. It's exactly the same as it was 2,000 years ago and it will be until Jesus returns. The gospel is the gospel. It doesn't change. You mustn't change it. I mustn't change it. According to who we're speaking to, the gospel is the same for all time and for all people. And we're not negotiating. There's one gospel and it doesn't change. This is fundamentally And it's fundamental for our eternal health and well-being. There is one gospel. There is one gospel. Fundamental, apostolic, about a rescue. There's one gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we have the gospel. We know the gospel. It is simple and profound and wonderful. Forgive us, Lord, when we try to change it, we try to add to it, when we believe those who have changed it and try to add to it. And it's fundamental. And it's down to the apostles telling us. And it's about a wonderful rescue. Pray, Lord, that you would renew our faith in Jesus tonight. And we thank you and praise you from our hearts for this one wonderful gospel. Amen.